You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Alfredo Carchado. His new book is Midnight in Mexico. Thank you for joining me, Alfredo. My pleasure, Rick. You know what struck me about this book is so interesting is it's a work of journalism about journalism, but they're two very different kinds of journalism, and you're playing both sides of the fence. So I'd like you to talk about your experience writing about crime for newspapers as an investigative reporter, and then essentially investigating your own life and interrogating yourself in a rather different manner in this book? It was a lot of soul-searching. I mean, um, I often joke with people that it took a lot of tequila to write this book because it wasn't just as as someone who's had a front-row seat to the most tumultuous time in Mexico since the revolution, if not the Cristero uprising back in the in the 1920s, but it was also a time for me to answer the question that I guess my mother posed that you know to me many many years ago when I said you know I someday I want to go back to Mexico, and that was why would I come back to my homeland, uh, the country that my mother tried to take me away from when I was a, a young kid. Uh, we moved to the, the central California, the San Joaquin Valley, so I think. You know, the the book deals with that question. You know, why would I go back? What what am I doing here? And it it takes place at a time when I guess the backdrop is the narco drug war in Mexico, and there's a death threat against me. So that it really forces you to do a lot of searching within yourself. You know, and and you ask the question that as you're trying to solve, I guess, the riddle. You know, why would anyone put a hit on me. Why would anyone want to do anything badly uh, to me? So it was, you know, crossing the lines between mainstream journalism and trying to find that answer. As you were uh, researching who was trying to put this hit on you, talk about uh, the kind of journalism you did and the kind of stories that made you think that what you were writing um, in terms of journalism was creating uh, this ill will against you to the point where somebody threatened the life of you and and your family. You know, when I started uh, covering the drug trafficking, I, I think my background was really more immigration, uh, the U.S.-Mexico policy and the relationship, et cetera. I wasn't that experienced uh, when it came to covering the, the underbelly of, of Mexico, if you will. So a lot of the stuff was, was new to me, and I think when I started asking questions, I was very, in in a sense, somewhat naive about how far you can go uh, as a journalist in Mexico and asking these tough questions. Uh, I think it took a while, but I finally saw the limits and uh, of how much you can do and how far you can go, and that's when you start exposing the the ties between drug traffickers and the government. When you start following the money and you realize that, you know, there really isn't a clear sense of, of legality and illegality. Uh, you start seeing the, the grades of Shea, and that's, you know, I think that's when the problems began. I mean, we had just done a story days before that um, 
the warning came from from the U.S. investigator. Um, the warning that the the drug traffickers were going to kill American journalists within 24 hours. We had done a story that week looking at how drug traffickers, criminal organizations were planning a a peace pack uh, among themselves, and it was a meeting that involved that also involved Mexican uh, authorities or government officials. We ran that story. And I think within a couple of days, we started kind of hearing rumblings, and then and then the call came. And I think that to me was the clearest sign of, oh my God, you know, you have crossed the line or you have reached the limit. So that's that's essentially what happened there. The problems there seem so deep and intractable. Sometimes it seems that the kind of easy solution of well, just let the cartels declare peace and work with the government seems like maybe the lesser of two evils, yet telling the truth about that puts you in so much danger. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on how this delicate balance between terror, violence, truces, government, crime, where the criminal cartels wield as much or more power than the government— you know, that's a great question right there, because if, if that very question is really what, what's kept me up many, many nights wondering whether even going after the cartels was the right thing to do. And it's something that I often debate with uh, with my sources from, from both sides of the border. And I keep, you know, asking, you know, was President Calderon back in 2006, did he do the right thing in going after them? Because it seems like uh, here we are, you know, six, seven years later, 100,000 people killed or disappear. And if this was really a war to try to strengthen the institutions in Mexico, try to find, you know, I, I remember at one point uh, the talk was we're going to eliminate drug traffickers or, or the criminals. And you look back now six years later, and you almost kind of laugh at that, you know, because it, that hasn't happened. I mean, if, if anything, uh, the bloodshed just, just spread across the country. You talk to the victims. And obviously their their kids will never come back or their families will never come back. But one thing they always tell me is that, you know, this was going to happen sooner or later. And the only thing to do is is try to build a sense of civil society, try to build a community, try to, I guess, you know, strengthen the, the institutions because it doesn't matter what evil government does. I mean, the cartels are going to continue. The criminal organizations are going to continue. But what they want to do, and, and what you see them, you know, and, and at times, you know, you, you kind of feel like a sense of a hope, and then you find this, this frustration and desperation. I mean, I think throughout the book I keep using the phrase, you know, hope and dread, hope and dread. But what you see more and more is a sense that this is, this is going to take many, many years. I mean, it's not something that uh, was a one sexennial, which is a six-year term that presidents of Mexico call it. I mean, I think it's going to take a long time. Whether or not Mexican society can be patient, you know, that's, that remains to be seen. But it's, it's certainly, I mean, when I look at the institutions today and I, and I wonder, are they any, any stronger than they were in 2006? I'm not convinced yet. You know, one of the things that I've always found really mind-boggling is that we have a war. In the United States, we have a war going on that's just a hop, skip, and a jump away over our border that— makes what we're doing in the Middle East seem somewhat pale. And, and the fact that there's no, not much official U.S. policy on this war seems kind of uh, 
just it's really striking. I, I'm wondering if, as a journalist, uh, what what your sense of U.S. policy towards the Mexican drug war is, and how much this um, has to do with the current government of Mexico. Well, you know, that's one of the most frustrating questions I, I find. As, as an American journalist uh, working for a Texas newspaper, obviously uh, the Dallas Morning News cares about it. I mean, we've been covering it nonstop for the last six, eight years now, or even longer. Um, but there are many times when you sit around with other foreign correspondents and you wonder, yes, you know, uh, there, there has to be attention in the Middle East, uh, Afghanistan, et cetera. But this is right along the U.S.-Mexico border. I mean, it's a 2,000-mile border. Uh, you have cities, San Diego, uh, El Paso, on and on. I mean, we're, we're just feet away from, from this, what, you know, that this is happening. But you also get a sense of fatigue. I mean, it's like I get the sense that a lot of American readers have, have kind of given up and say, oh, you know, it's another Mexican story, another body hanging, more corruption. What else is new? Uh, but yet, the ramifications for both countries are incredible. I mean, the consequences are incredible. I can't think of another country that has more of a daily impact on the United States than Mexico. And yet, I think we continue to ignore that. Um, you know, I mean, there are officials that I talk to on, on the U.S. side who obviously care and they're, they're trying to do their best, but it hasn't really become a national story. I mean, it's much more of a regional and much more of a temporary, and let's try to move on. That's really, I think, today the biggest challenge is you have the, the Mexican government who, I mean, they've been in office for, what, six, you know, eight months now, and they're really trying to change that narrative. I mean, it's, it's even becoming that much tougher to get Americans to care about it because there was a sense of, you know, that happened during the, the last administration. Let's try to change the narrative. Let's try to change the page, the, the page and let's try to focus another aspects of Mexico, which I get. I mean, I understand that. But, you know, if uh, the, the, the drug war is still going on, uh, the, the number of people being killed hasn't really changed that much. So there's, it's still a very, very important issue. And sadly, I think a lot of Americans really don't understand or don't really know about it yet. Well, to my mind, that's the import of books like yours because it puts a personal spin and gives a personal uh, observation of this that I think that is entirely lacking otherwise. And I, I really hope to see, um, you know, books like this and your book um, bring this out to the American public. Well, I appreciate that because, I mean, I really feel like I, I pour every, every ounce of me, every, every sweat, every tear in, into that book. And it, it was a very personal book. I mean, this is, in many ways, a massacre of, of, of my homeland, and trying to find answers as a Mexican, but also as an American. And I hope that readers who read Midnight in Mexico can get a full understanding and there's more awareness about the situation, you know, that just right along, as you said, right along the border. I've been speaking with Alfredo Corchada. His new book is Midnight in Mexico. Thank you for joining me, Alfredo. Rick, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much.
You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.